Hey guys, this is Greg with the Grindline Podcast, and I am here to talk to you about DraftKings. With mobile betting now live in Michigan, it has never been easier to get in on the action and make those games mean just a little bit more. All you have to do is set your lineup, sit back, and watch your games. It's that simple. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion, that's billion with a B, to users across all sports. So work on filling that wallet today with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 129 of the Grindline Podcast. I'm here tonight with Tyler. Ryan apparently has power outage, but we also have a special guest tonight. We have Daniela Bruce from the Detroit Red Wings. Daniela, what would you like to be from? Because right now it's mostly Wood on Woodward, isn't it? Yeah, I do a lot of the word on Woodward, but I would consider myself like a digital host for the Red Wings. I wear a lot of hats over there, so you could just say I'm from the Red Wings. That works. <laughs> the Detroit Red Wings digital host. Dan- That's a good title. Yeah, that I love on, that. Put it on your LinkedIn. well. And yeah. I've been doing a lot of Tigers stuff, too, though, so I, I don't know. We're going to have to think of something. You are um, in an Illich digital host. There you go. Olympia so. Entertainment. I, I don't even know anymore. Yeah, it's a it's a good job to have, right? So, yeah, no. Just put it that way. <laughs> not complaining. So the Wood on Woodward has been something that has started, uh, was it just this season? It was actually right during the pandemic. So right when everything shut down, we were kind of thinking, okay, what do we do now? And boom, here comes the Wood on Woodward. Yeah, so tonight we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, Word on Woodward, how that's going, fan engagement, her take on what happened this season, uh, then stuff going into off-season and free agency and the draft. But I do want to talk a bit about the Word on Woodward, and it's you, it's Art Regner, uh, and then Carly. Mm-hmm. And I'm on pretty often on YouTube, in the chat, talking to people, and it seems like the fan engagement's been really good. It has been. And I'm going to preface by saying that starting that show during a pandemic is impressive in itself. Just the fact that it was a two hour, two day a week show. If you I'm sure you've noticed since you watch it quite a bit that we've cut back to one day a week and we're going for an hour right now. We're also adjusting the show a little bit more. It's kind of getting smaller as we go, but it was it was anticipated when we built this show. Like I said, in the middle of a pandemic, wasn't much of anything going on you know yep. so we we were like we could do this we have enough we have the bandwidth we have enough to do this and now that things are getting back to normal it seems like fan engagement is definitely still there but it's a little harder to get everybody to watch a two hour two day a week show on social media when everything is back up and running playoffs are on you know that kind of stuff so we're actually revamping the show which i'm really excited you guys wanted to talk about it it's going to be more of like an interview podcast series still on video it's going to be me and art regner and we're going to do interviews every week and it's going to alternate between red wings and tigers guests so we'll see how it goes from there yeah we're really excited about it like it was a great platform and like you said engagement has been great but it's just kind of adjusting with what's going on in the world honestly and that's how the past 15 months has really been i'm sure you guys have felt that in some way yeah, that must have been some hell of a coordination to get all that together when people really couldn't meet to do anything. 
it was so interesting and shout out to our technical crew that was definitely the hardest part like it's not hard for me and art and carly to get on and fill some time and talk about the red wings and the tigers but being able to stream live while we were all in different places so this was all from everybody's computer it it was incredible it still is really incredible yeah, so and it's and it's a really good show, and you guys get, of course, you get all the good guests on, and you get interesting people to talk to. How how much shit do you give Art behind the scenes? Oh, so much. <laughs> I, I, and I, I mean, truth be told, Art and I are we're like best friends, and I don't think anyone ever really expects that. But Art and I talk on the phone for like at least. 20 minutes a day, maybe more than that, depending on the day. And you guys know art can get going. So (laughs) art definitely keeps me on the phone a little longer sometimes, but most of the time I enjoy it and I'm feeding into it. So it's funny. I, I, it actually, uh, my boyfriend jokes, he goes, you talk to art more than you talk (laughs) to me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's probably true. Some days. It seems like art would be kind of like that goofy uncle. He is exactly. He's like, and he, you know, he's such a mentor for me too. He, people may not realize, yeah, how much he has actually done in this industry. It's amazing. And now, um, he's in the back of his career. Let's be honest. He's he's working for the Red Wings. He's loving what he does. He's covered the team for so long. But he gives me so much advice and just helping me kind of navigate what my future looks like and things like that. Yeah, it's great. Um, and you guys bring a lot of very valuable insight into what's going yeah. on that we, we really couldn't get otherwise, especially during COVID, where they've cut down on pressers and they've cut down on player availability and and everything. So it's nice yeah. to get the background in a different format. I just want to make sure you guys know when we do this new word on Woodward, we're still going to be doing all of the press conferences and everything great. like that. As long, I, even if they're not virtual, I think we're going to do our best to stream them using the word on Woodward platform. Good. That's good for everyone. The way yeah. you guys give crap to Art about bringing up Michigan <laughs> is the way Ryan and Greg give me crap for bringing up Michigan. <laughs> well, good for them. I'm glad that it's, I think that happens most of the time to any Michigan fan. You've got someone giving them crap. Well, unfortunately, Ryan's an Ohio State fan. So. Oh, that's oh. even worse. Yeah, nice. yeah, exactly. I've got Oof. friends that went to both State and Michigan, so I can go either sides of the fence. But yeah, yeah. Ryan is the absolute worst. And we can make fun <laughs> of him because he's not here. So yes. <laughs> hey, That's his own fault. He, he did it to himself, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, the, the, power, the power company power. apparently did it to him. <laughs> um, but I think we want to move into kind of what happened this season. Uh, and, and I think our overall, I'll give you what we kind of came out with, is that we thought we played much better than we were going to. We thought for sure we would be a, a bottom-of-the-barrel team again. Um, but I think there were some surprises, and I kind of wanted to get your take on, on what you thought going in, and then if your expectations were met or exceeded, or, or how you felt coming out. Well, I think... I agree with you. There were parts of the season that were a lot better, but for me, it was on par. I knew they were going to be better. Even when we got through free agency and we saw what Steve Eisenman was able to pick up last year, you knew they were going to ice a better team than they did last season. So I expected a little bit more. And I think some of the good things that we saw were the development of our young players at a faster pace. Like Michael Rasmussen, he started to really jump at at the center position and really exciting to see him do that because it it kind of felt like, when is he going to hit? You know, you're waiting on him to hit. And it finally felt like he did. Philip Zadina didn't put up the numbers. Of course, he would want to, if you ask him, he wants to score more goals, obviously, but he really improved his defensive game. And he was really good on the four check near the end of the season too and that's where he struggled before so I think we're seeing strides like that and you have to remember this team you don't want to use injury as an excuse because obviously you have to build depth on a hockey team 
But I think we only saw a fully healthy Red Wings team a couple of times throughout yep. the season. Bobby like Ryan games. was hurt. Yeah, Bobby Ryan was hurt the first two games. Then you get into the COVID protocol. Then, yeah. you know, Tyler Bertuzzi goes down early. Dylan Larkin wasn't healthy all season, no. I don't think. No. So, yeah, it, you really didn't get the team that Steve Eiserman put together. So I think with all of that said, you have to be happy with the way the team played defensively. Obviously, offensively, they struggled and they the, the power play streak was awful or they didn't score in what, like 40 power plays yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, that that needs to come. But I think we saw strides in the right direction because you really do build a team from the back up. So yep. I, I think we're getting there. I think we saw really, really positive signs. Yeah, I think Zadina was the really big one. And, and like you said, I think he would have wanted more points, but I don't think you could have asked for a lot of nights. He was one of your best playmakers. Right, he was exactly. Making things happen. Every time he was on the ice, or at least when something was happening, it felt like Zadino was involved. There was in a chance. One way or the other. Yeah, 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 exactly. And he created opportunities for himself. He had the opportunities. They were there. It just, it, it didn't feel like things were bouncing the Red Wings way that last season. And it, it just, it was tough with all the injuries, too. You're shuffling lines all the time. So you don't find that cohesiveness that you really need did you feel that they were harder to play against that that's one thing that oh, steve eisenman 100%. always talked about yeah okay. definitely that, i think teams nobody took the red wings lightly and when they did they paid for it and i think we saw that quite a few times throughout the season sure. they yeah. played carolina so well every time i mean there might have been one game where it was like all right yeah carolina ran away with that one yeah. but that was a cup caliber team we're talking about yeah absolutely they played tampa bay pretty tough yeah. as well We we played Tampa better than we've played Tampa in years. And that's impressive with, like you said, people being out. Because uh, imagine having a healthy Burt all season or a healthy Robbie Fabry for a lot of the Mm -hmm. season. And like you said, losing man games is not really an excuse. But it it also goes back to the depth when you've got really good players coming up. You've got a Mo Sider, you've got a Jonathan Berger, and you've got a Lucas Raymond. But they're not ready now. Right. So calling in your depth that you do have, they're they're not really replacements for people like a Fabry or people like a Bertuzzi, but they were able to step in and we had far less blowouts this season than we did past season. Right. And the other thing I think to note is that when we did see those blowouts, the next game... It was like a completely different Red Wings team in a positive way. They were coming out absolutely on fire. And I also think that's a nod to Coach Blaschel. I know there were some mixed feelings about him being extended, but I think he did great with the team that he was given, Mm -hmm. and he deserves to be here. He's in the position to coach these guys, and that that is coaching. That is going to practice and grinding it out and making sure you're ready for the next game, and coaching is a huge factor in that. Yeah, the Blaschel thing was interesting, and we went back and forth on it, but we, we kind of came to the conclusion, we did an episode on it, that Blaschel came in in kind of a tough position because they were losing their star players every year. Um, mm-hmm. you, you lost uh, you lost a Datsuk, you lost a Zetterberg, you lost a Cronwall, but you really never replaced that talent. And it's going to take the kids that came in during that time, time to come up to that. So I... I end up not blaming Blaschel a lot simply because he's never really had that cup caliber team that everyone's been used to forever and ever. And he showed what he can do when Iserman started bringing in pieces this season and plugging them in and then the younger guys starting to develop. So I think if you give Blash a good team, he's a good coach. Yeah, exactly. And like we've been saying, there wasn't much to work with on the team this year, considering all of the injuries and Blaschel was put in tough spots all season long. And sometimes it probably didn't work out in his favor. But what do you expect? And then 
other times it did though and then especially after the uh, jacob verona anthony mantha trade Mm -hmm. i think it was a really positive thing you saw a lot of spark when jacob verona joined the team you saw some different line mates It, it was a lot of fun and i think like i said jeff blashill is the right man for the job right now and obviously if steve eiserman thinks so I would say he's a little smarter than all of us. I'm just guessing. <laughs> I think but... he's paid a lot more to make those decisions. Yeah, that too. That too. <laughs> yeah, I have a I have a microphone and a computer, and I, <laughs> I'm it's a way above my pay grade. Exactly. But the Verona thing, I think, was a revelation for this team. Oh yeah, it was, and that is no knock on Anthony Mantha at all because I think he is a really talented player. But we've seen it time and time again where players just need a change of scenery to get yep. things going again, and that might have been it for Anthony Mantha. It seemed like Verana's uh, energy coming over from Washington, like he could have brought the team down by you know being sulking that he's coming to a you know lesser Detroit team, going from a Washington team that was, of course, headed towards the playoffs yet again, and I mean. That speaks to his character, doesn't it? Oh, definitely. And you have to think of the the flip side of that, too, which I'm sure he was told by multiple people because it has to be a hard thing when you come from a team that could win a Stanley Cup coming to a rebuilding team. But it's an opportunity for him. He's going to play more here. And you have to look at it that way when you're that player. He's going to be able to be one of the top guys on the team, which he just wasn't going to be in Washington. Yeah, He relished that in Detroit, too. Yeah. Yeah, he really did. I think Larkin said it in an interview that Verona came in and it, he was he instantly bought in, instantly wanted to help this team win because he saw the potential in the team. And he's, I mean, he's a younger guy. He's, what, almost a year younger than Mantha. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, he can be part of this core going forward and he can get top-line minutes, which I think at the by the end of the day, he was getting almost third-line minutes in Washington. So. Right. And so we get a great player. And don't forget, now we have, what is it, the 23rd overall pick in the first round yep. as well uh, because of that yeah. trade. And it'll move so. up to 22 because Arizona right, because loses Arizona. their pick. Yep. Yep. So it's the 22nd player, but the 23rd pick. We were laughing about that yeah. on the word it, on Woodward the other It'll day. be great. <laughs> yeah. Um, but were there any, did you see any surprises this season? Anything that caught you off guard? Anything that was drastically different than you thought it might have been? Okay, I wouldn't say it was drastically different because I had all the faith in the world in Jonathan Bernier, but the duo of Thomas Grice and Jonathan Bernier, they were phenomenal. I thought they were outstanding, and a lot of times they kept Red Wings in games they had no business being in. So I I think goaltending was something that was... like I said, I don't want to say it was a complete surprise and I thought they were going to be terrible, but they were just really good. I did not expect the level of play from both of them. And then Jonathan Bernier was hurt for that period of time, too. Yep. So, yeah, they were both really good this season. One of the guys you mentioned, too, Rasmussen as well, was fantastic. As oh, yeah. Earlier. Yes, yes, yeah. He was definitely, he was a surprise. You're right. He was a pleasant surprise in the fact, again, I never expected him to come out and just be awful. But no. the progress he made, and I don't know if that had to do with the fact that there were so many injuries on this team that he got to play a little bit more and get used to the NHL game. But he just looked better in the faceoff circle. He looked stronger. He looked more confident. Yeah, Michael Rasmussen was definitely a huge positive. We noticed he uh, much improved his balance. He was falling down mm-hmm. a lot less. Um, but he's a big guy, and he was using his body more to his advantage. And I think that's one thing that they told him he needed to do is that if he wanted to get into the center position, he needed to be better defensively. Yep. And he was taking it to the boards. He was poking people off pucks. Michael Rasmussen, I think, is now people will always react that he was probably take. They'll say he was taken way higher than he should have been. 
which I wouldn't say maybe way higher. Maybe he would have been a mid-first-round pick. And, but I said if you could get a second flex third center out of him, that's mm-hmm. his high point. And I think he more than proved that he could do that going forward and, and, and cemented his spot uh, for next season. Yeah, and I think how high he was taken in the draft is another reason that people were getting a little yep. bit impatient with him. And I totally understand that when you have a player that's taken sixth overall, look at the hype around Moritz Sider already. Like, we want him in the league <laughs> yesterday. Exactly. So, yep. yeah, it's it, there's a lot that goes into it, and it was really good to see him fitting in so well. I think the other reason people were down on Rasmussen was because he was forced to play that first year in the NHL, mm-hmm. and he was clearly not ready for it. But he was going to learn absolutely nothing from playing in juniors, um, which is just, I guess, the fate of the the CHL, NHL Mm -hmm. contract or whatever. But people went in saying, well, Rasmussen's a bust, and I think he way more than proved them wrong this season. I would agree with that 100%. He's here to stay, and he proved it. Yep. Those talks are gone. Thank God. Yes, out the window. <laughs> We're done with them. Uh, now, now going into this off season, so we all know what happened this season, and, and we're all real excited for what's going to happen this off season because if you look at what happened last free agency, we didn't expect Bobby Ryan to come here. We didn't expect someone like Nemestikov to come here. And they all basically pointed at one reason, that it was Steve Iserman who brought them in. They came here for Iserman. So looking at the free agent list this offseason, it's not as spectacular. And I'm not sure there are many younger guys, um, because that seems to be Iserman's focus, is bringing in younger guys who can help with rebuild. But there are some names that I was looking at, kind of wondering if you had anyone that jumped off the page at you, anyone you've been looking at for free agent targets this offseason. Well, you know, the biggest thing for me is I'm just wondering who he's going to bring back from our own free agent list. Like yep. you look at like you mentioned Bobby Ryan. Is he gonna offer Bobby Ryan I hope so. another contract? I hope so too. I, hope I so think too. I think yeah. Bobby Ryan wants to be here. He's always has sounded like he wanted to be here from day one. So I think he would want another one. And then you also look at the goaltending situation. I mean, I Thomas Grice is here for another year. Is Jonathan Bernier coming back? I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know what he's going to do there either. So th- I think that's the biggest thing for me. And then you also have a guy like Mark Stahl, who, again, mixed feelings about the way Mark Stahl played, but he's he was a veteran blue liner. Our defensive game was way better this season. Absolutely. And I think Mark Stahl was a key piece in that. And I, is Steve Eiserman going to bring him back? He mentioned that he would love to be here when he yep. had his um, postseason Zoom press conference. So... It's interesting, and he's, he even mentioned he would love to mentor Marit Seider. So that's got to be a little bit exciting for Red Wings fans, Mark Stahl yeah. getting back in the mix. and So that that's really it for me. Like you said, the list is not great, and we're going to see the same thing out of Steve Eiserman again this year. He's not going to give any big deals. It's going to be one- or two-year deals, and I don't think he believes free agency is the way to build a team. Obviously nope. you have to put a team out on the ice, but um, I think it starts with our own free agents. I think he's going to look at what he has to evaluate there. And obviously the expansion draft will probably play a role in that too, depending on who gets nabbed from the Red Wings roster. So I think a lot goes into it. Yeah. I, like you said, uh, Bobby Ryan would be a welcome, a welcome, I guess, re addition to the team. And, and we know I had the same feeling. I think Dylan Larkin was playing a lot of this season with a nagging injury because he was mm-hmm. just not himself. But we know Bobby Ryan went down with that injury. It's just how much before that point was he actually hurt because he was taking off offensively and then slowed down. So I'm wondering if somewhere in between 
he tweaked something that was playing through it until he couldn't. So Bobby Ryan looked like he could kind of reinvent himself here and loved playing here and bought into the system and, of course, came for Iserman. I would have no problem bringing a Bobby Ryan back. But I think our thing was how long or do you bring back Adam Ernie and, and save oh, right. a protection on him? One. We debated this on the Word on Woodward the other day, actually, and I didn't know that Zadina was exempt, yep. so that was news to me. I, I was really thrilled about that. Absolutely. Art, told me, Art called me out. He goes, Zadina's exempt. I'm oh, okay. Well, that changes everything, but um, Zadina was that last spot for me, and then when I found that out, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's Adam Ernie. I yep. think it is Adam Ernie that's protected, and um, and Giovanni Smith, too, I think uh, fell into that category which is interesting. He's an interesting player. I, I I don't know. But I think Adam Ernie comes back for sure. We flipped back and forth with between do you protect Giovanni Smith or do you protect Vladislav Nemestikov? And we ended up by the end of it going with Smith simply because he's yep. younger and because you're going to need replacements for someone like a Darren Helm if he goes. for Eventually for a Luke Glendening, you're going to need that solid bottom six guy who can anchor your line and can give you the toughness you need and who can win those battles and in Giovanni Smith even showed he had some offensive upside during the season mm-hmm. so I think yep. that that was our our kind of struggle was our protected list came down to one of those two to expose and I think we ended up sticking with protecting Smith I think that I would say that's the move, too. I think it's definitely got to be Giovanni Smith. Like you said, you saw the upside out of him. He's another player that probably hasn't solidified his NHL game yet. Yep. But um, not somebody you want to lose, either. I don't think they're ready to risk giving up on him because he could be very enticing to a team like Seattle. Absolutely. And I think mostly because of what he showed, but also coupled with they are going to want younger players that they can they can lock up for a while for a relatively low amount of money because they're mm-hmm. still starting out. They, they hope they start out like a Vegas, but right. there's absolutely zero guarantee that that's going to happen. So you don't want to spend a ton of be spending a ton of money with a not great team. Yeah, we spent some time talking about um the way that it's going to work with Seattle this year, too. And I think GMs around the league are going to be a little bit smarter than they were with Vegas, and they're going to work the system a little bit more and try to figure out ways to work with Ron Francis. Like, what what are you going to do? What are you thinking? They're they're definitely (laughs) going to try to work it a little bit more because no, not that nobody wants a successful expansion team, but I think it was just like, holy crap, look what happened in Vegas. And then nobody meant for that to happen. So I don't know if, I just don't think it'll happen the same way. No one wants an expansion team to kick their ass every night. Especially me. (laughs) Um, Exactly. But look what it's done for Vegas. I mean, the crowd was amazing. They bought in instantly. I guess the question is what's going to happen when Vegas isn't so good, but they'll sell out because they're Vegas and casinos can give away tickets and everything. So yeah, exactly. Now, you said that free agency is going to be more of a within thing or from within thing, I should say. Do you see any like trade possibilities or I don't I know you can't really name drop it. Do you have anything that really sticks comes to mind? You say I can't name drop. And I think you're saying that because, you know, I work for the Red. She's got all the inside information. information. (laughs) I have nothing. I kid you not. We know nothing. Steve Eiserman is very, very tight lipped. 
And hey, rightfully so. I, he's good at what he does. Absolutely. I have zero inside information. <laughs> I have no idea. That's why when I sit here and try to talk about free agency, I'm like, I, I really don't know what he's thinking. I know when I first saw the news of Dougie Hamilton probably not going back to Carolina, that kind of intrigued me a little bit. But he's kind of a big cap hit. I don't know. I don't know what Steve Eiserman's going to do. I don't know what he's thinking trade-wise. Um I definitely could see the possibility. He said he could see the possibility yep. for trades before, during. And think about the assets he has in the draft. Yep. He's got another first-round pick. They've got three second-round picks. So if there are trades, I would guess, my educated guess would be that it's going to happen on draft day. Yeah, I think, well, I think some may happen before ex- yep, before maybe. expansion due to teams having a lot of good players that they don't want to lose for nothing to Seattle. Right. So they might as well get picks or or prospects or something for that player so they don't lose them for nothing. So there could be an opportunity there. That's a good point. Especially us with the the massive amount of cap that we have and with with the other teams that are going to be struggling for now what they have said could be up to five seasons. Uh, Columbus. Yeah, it was initially like, well, (laughs) two seasons we're going to have a static cap. Then Elliot Friedman said, well, there's rumblings that it could be up to five. Mm-hmm. So with teams that are going to be kind of locked in with these these lagging contracts, I think that is probably more of your, your deadline day kind of deals or your draft day kind of deals. But I could see some stuff happening around the expansion for teams that don't want to lose a player for nothing. So Yeah, yeah that's a very good point, too. And obviously we, we keep joking, too, that um, July 22nd is going to be a very busy day because no one's going to sign their unrestricted free agents yep. until that day. So, yeah, there's a lot that's going to happen right around the expansion draft and draft day. So that will be a really busy week, I think. I think, I think Mark Stahl even mentioned that. He's like, yeah, I'd love to come back, and we've had talks, but literally no one's making decisions until late July. So... Right. I mean, it no, it makes sense though. Who you if you sign them, you have to protect them. Yep. So, yeah, it it makes sense that it won't happen until after. Now, if we're talking about the draft, uh we did our past two episodes were kind of draft highlights. We have locked on to five guys at the number 6 spot that could potentially be available. In a Mason McTavish, Luke Hughes, Kent Johnson, Fabian Lysel and Chaz Lucius. This year, we have come to the conclusion that it's going to be real confusing because we know there's a lock at number one, most likely. But two through five is is going to be pretty interesting. And then beyond that is just very up in the air. But who are you looking at? Is there anyone that's caught your eye? Anyone that you think is is just born to be a Red Wing? Well, I'm going to preface this with I'm not a prospect expert. I um, Obviously, we don't get to see these guys play very much in yep. this year, even less than normal. We don't get to see many even highlight packs of them. So um, we'll start there. But I agree with you. The only one that I think is a consensus overall is Owen Power going number one. Yep. And I actually, the guy, I have my mock draft in front of me because I did one through six. And I really like um, William Eklund. And... Based on my mock draft, he's still there at number okay. six. And if he's there, we know the Red Wings love their Swedish hockey players. And the one advantage they had is that Nicholas Cronwall remained in Sweden for all of this. So mm-hmm. he was able to watch these players a lot more. So it wouldn't surprise me if we see another Swede in a Red Wings uniform this season. But you guys mentioned Kent Johnson. So he was like, I was debating heavily at number six between 
William Eklund and Kent Johnson. We had um, Mel Pearson, the Michigan head coach, mm-hmm. on the word on Woodward, and he was absolutely raving about Kent Johnson and saying that he could see five years down the road Kent Johnson being the best talent to come out of this draft class. Mm-hmm. He just needs to get a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger. So that I think that's a good possibility there, too. I do think... They're going to go offense unless Luke Hughes is available. I think they're going to go offense unless he falls to six, which I also don't see happening. Yeah, that was our thought as well. I don't think Luke Hughes gets past New Jersey. Um, I don't either. (laughs) That's where I have him going. Yeah, Eklund, Eklund, I think, could could be gone by four. Uh, That was why I didn't have Eklund on my list. I do like Kent Johnson a lot. The only question that we got, we we pulled some, some... prospect watch people and we made some pretty cool uh, digital trading cards for our for our prospects but kent johnson they said there there's a question on whether or not he can play center at the next level and i think the red wings might be looking for a center and if not a center then a highly highly offensive guy and that's why we landed on mason mctavish who captained the under 18 or who captained the world juniors for team canada this year so mm-hmm. that was our. I guy. like McTavish too. I think, I think that's a good pick too. And like I said, they're definitely going to go offense. And you said it. This is a strange draft because we have no idea how this is going to fall. I mean, we didn't know who the Red Wings were going to take at four yep. last year, but we knew what one, two, and three were going to be. And it, it just isn't that way. I, I think Maddie Beniers is going to go number two. I think yep. Seattle will take him, but. Number Anaheim, I have no clue. They were. Um, <laughs> I don't think Anaheim knows. Yeah, they don't. They they probably don't. But um, they were terrible offensively last year as well. So I have them with Dylan Gunther right now, the right winger that played in the WHL but also couldn't play in the WHL this season. So, yeah, he yeah. had a, a strange season. But um, I think they're gonna. I, they could go anyway. Anyway, they could really screw up my mock draft, but that's okay. I'm all right. <laughs> that's with that. fine. We're not. Again, we're not getting paid to do drafts. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We have no clue. <laughs> and again, most of this is just based off a lot of reading and what other scouts are seeing and what they're saying, other interviews and all of that. So a lot yeah. of YouTube. That's exactly. What. Exactly. Now, now we're YouTube million, drafters. The million dollar question is: Do we take our future goalie this year? That's the other thing. I mean, there's a lot of mock drafts out there that have Jesper Wallstack going at number six to Detroit. How would you guys feel if we took a goalie at six? Because (laughs) clearly four was too high for a goaltender. Uh, Not great. I I live by the motto that you can win with slightly, you can win a Stanley Cup with slightly above average goaltending. Right. Um, you all you need is a goalie to get hot. You could have your good goalie be great in the playoffs. I think you could take someone at twenty two, like a Sebastian Cosa, mm-hmm. and get a very, very good goalie who could become your franchise goalie, and you don't have to use the number six. I pick on think him. that is exactly what I was going to say. If we take a goaltender, it's going to be with that late first round pick, and. Unless Steve Eiserman sees Andre Vasilevsky talent sure. in Jasper Wallstadt. Um, and again, I can't confirm or deny that he has that talent. I have not seen him <laughs> at all. But um, I, I think we'd, we'd have to put our trust in him there, right? Because he did draft Andre Vasilevsky. Sure. So, and he's uh, playing right now in the Stanley Cup final. So I, I don't think they will at six, but 
it, I think it's going. It, I don't know. Again, I'm, ta- I'm trying to. I'm trying to pick Steve Eiserman's brain, and it, every time, I'm, he, it doesn't work. He it doesn't kinda work. Kinda that's lets, hard. That's certainly hard. He kind of <laughs> let something slip in in his uh, his postseason interview, where he was asked about the pick at six, and he said, well, "We've got people at every position." And then he said something to the effect of, "Well, maybe not goalie." Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that could have been a slip. That could have been him throwing people off. But I think I don't think you need to use that high of a pick to get a solid goaltender. And I think there's even a chance that someone like a Jesper Wallstedt could fall to to maybe a 12 or a 13 or a 14 because a lot of teams I don't think like picking goalies that high. And maybe you trade your 22 mm-hmm. and a couple other picks to move up if he's still there. Right. I think it all just depends on how much talent they actually see in him. And, yep. it, 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 and they're so hard to project. Right, there. right. That's the hardest position to project. And they take a long time to get to the NHL most of the time, too. So it, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Yeah. And they could have phenomenal years in juniors or phenomenal years overseas. And then look what happened to Philip Larson. Mm-hmm. Comes over, yeah. has uh, some bad starts in Grand Rapids, goes to Toledo. And now I think he's playing in, in Austria. Yeah, uh, or overseas. He's playing in a European league, so we'll we'll see where. Because I mean, he's still young, but he had injury issues, and that's the other thing with goalies is they can get some injury issues that put them out for extended periods of time. Am yeah. I the only one that wouldn't be mad if they took Volstad at six? I, I'm not saying I would be mad. I, I wouldn't be mad with anything. Yeah, I, I I this draft again is very. I feel like I don't know much about it, and I feel like. It could go any direction, and these players that we're talking about right now, all of them that we named, may may not even be picked in the top ten. Who knows? Sure. <laughs> we really don't know. We have no idea. Yeah, and um, I, I, Steve Eiserman said that too on the press conference. He's like, "Oh, you know who's going number one? He Can you tell me?" Ansar. Yeah, poor oh. Ansar. Ansar, but it was such a Steve Eiserman response. Oh, who's going number one? Yeah. Who's going number two? <laughs> we'll make sure we fill out our yeah. draft board. And let us right, know. Right, yeah. <laughs> I feel so like I, behind closed doors, Steve Eisenman is just the most personable person in the world and <laughs> just doesn't want to let anybody see it. <laughs> yeah, oh, he has to be. I bet he is. I know he's a good guy. He's he's. I have a cool Steve Eisenman story um, opening night, and I've told this story a few times because it's, like, my favorite story ever, and I'll tell it to everyone <laughs> until the day I die. I don't care. But... Opening night, his first night as general manager. So it was uh, the oh, I can't even remember Dallas game nineteen. Yes, Dallas. Anthony Mantha scored four goals. Yep, so, I, we were there. We yeah, were there. The place yeah. was rocking. Um, we're in the elevator post game, and it was like some of my department, and then uh, some of the management staff, Steve Eiserman being part of that. And I didn't get a, a pin. We all get a pin from opening night most of the time, and I wore a dress where I couldn't get the pin on there, so. I said to my manager, I go, oh, I got to grab a pin. Remind me to grab one tomorrow. Steve Eiserman took his pin off his um, suit coat and gave it to me and said, I have a, I have a million of these, so you keep this one. <laughs> so, yes, I still have the pin, obviously, in a very special place for special not, occasions. <laughs> not large enough for him to sign it for you. but That's the no, type of guy no. Steve Eiserman seems he would be. So yeah, that, yeah, that's a great cool. story to hear. <laughs> he also just seems like a very funny guy, too. Like like, like the Ansar Khan thing. 
I found it funny. Some people, Ansar Khan found it, found it terrifying, but <laughs> I found I found it kind of funny um, simply because he he has the willingness to kind of joke around with people. It's so like the Datsuk wittiness. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of those beat writers though have been covering the team for so long that they know Steve Eiserman pretty well. So I think I think uh, Ansar was okay with it. He probably was a little taken back, but he probably blew it off. Ah, <laughs> uh, it, it was good. It was funny. It was, though. It was great. Um, but it was great. Danielle, I want to give you some time back in your night because I know you are a very busy person, but I want to thank you so much for coming on to talk to us uh, to give us a little insight into what you guys are doing and that everyone should definitely be tuning into the uh, word on Woodward. But if you want to go ahead and give out your Twitter information where people can find you, um, that would be awesome. Yes, I am everywhere. Daniela Bruce underscore because at Daniela Bruce was taken on every single platform. So yes, you had to add the underscore at the end to make it relevant to to make it work. So yes, Daniela Bruce underscore on Twitter and Instagram. I regretfully say I'm not on TikTok yet. I can't figure that out. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Too old. I feel like I need to be, but I also feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. So it's a very interesting situation. I feel at 31, (laughs) I should probably stay away from TikTok. All right. Wait, wait, wait. Before we hang up, who's winning the cup? Does Montreal have a chance? Nope. Tampa. All right. A hundred percent. Tampa and five. Well, I said the same thing about Vegas though. So I I can't, I, I just can't do it. It's very interesting. I live in the Boston area, and you would think for the most part everyone's rooting for the Tampa Bay Lightning. You're wrong. I was at a bar the other night, full to the gills, and people are rooting for the Montreal Canadiens over the Vegas Golden Knights oh. in in the what would we would call the Western Conference Final, of course, the Stanley Cup semifinal. Mm-hmm. It's like the craziest thing to me that people here in Boston still for apparently don't realize the rivalry between the Habs <laughs> and the Bruins. Me personally, I live here in Boston and I've hated the Bruins since I was a little kid and you know, just been a diehard Red Wings fan. And to see the Montreal Canadiens win the Stanley Cup just would put a little special part in my heart <laughs> to see just for Carey Price alone just yeah, so I, aggravated yeah I think um Carey Price would it would be great to see him win but I do agree I do think Tampa's going to win I'm not putting a number on yeah. it because I could see this thing go on seven games and it be in a, a freaking one nothing game oh. like we saw with Tampa in, uh, uh. in New York you know like I just I I had I thought Montreal was going to get swept. I thought Vegas I was going to sweep Montreal. Yep. So, yeah. Especially I, after game clearly, one. Yeah. Clearly, I don't yeah. know anything. <laughs> so. But give give Stevie's team one more cup and, and yep. bring all that luck over here. Exactly. So. We'll be good with that. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on tonight, Daniela. I will make sure to shout you out when we post the episode. Get your Twitter handle in there, and uh, everyone should go follow her. And watch The Word on Woodward, because it's a great show, and you learn a lot. Oh, thank you guys so much. You guys are great. It was fun to catch up. Yep. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, Danielle, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Of course. We'll talk soon, guys. So, Tyler, great interview with Daniela. Super great to talk to. We'll have to have her back on midway through this next season or even after the draft just to talk a little bit more about what's coming up because though she may not have any insider information, um, she still does a lot of media stuff for the Red Wings uh, and has a lot of insight. And she talks to the players a lot and has a lot of insight that, that we probably won't get. But great interview. Super great to talk to. 
Yeah, I wanted to actually ask her about, she She was just in Nashville. I was going to ask her about Oof. her Nashville trip, but I totally forgot. But yeah, no, they, they do a great job there at um, DetroitRedWings.com. Like living here in the Massachusetts area, you know, I don't have uh, Bally Sports Detroit or what used to be Fox Sports Detroit. So my Red Wings coverage is, um, you know, doing this podcast or uh, reading on The Athletic or, you know, listening to certain other podcasts that I'm not going to mention here. But um the word on Woodward's fantastic. They've just done a really good job of creating content um, on DetroitRedWings.com and you know through their social media and stuff. They really should be given credit for everything they've done uh, at DetroitRedWings.com just to you know engage the viewers and especially someone like me that doesn't live in the market. You can just flick on YouTube or actually I think on NHL the app you get alerts um, saying that they're live and you can just click on it and they they have like a pregame show. Yeah. They have a post. I don't know if they have a post-game show, but, you know, it, it's great. It's just good to be able to listen to it, and, you know, we thank well, her so much for coming on. Especially we during hope to COVID. hear from her again. During yeah, COVID, absolutely. when people didn't have all that access or, or players weren't doing as much, just to be able to give fans content, extra content while they're working from home and, and taking their lunch break and, and being able to interact because it is on YouTube and people can interact and, and talk to other Red Wings fans, I think it was a, a very uh, it was a great opportunity for them to kind of capture a market when there was kind of this downtime or this uncertainty and you didn't know what was going on. Um, but they've done a, a great job with it. And like Daniela said, they're changing their format a little more. It will continue, um, but it'll be a little shorter show and they'll alternate between Tigers and Red Wings, which is fine because I follow baseball too. So Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, of course, I'm a Red Sox fan. But I'll say one thing about social media, team sport, social media. Have you seen the last time the Yankees posted on Instagram? No, I'm not a big Instagram Four user. days ago. How is that excusable? They have a really bad social media person, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, it's just, how is that excusable as a professional organization, especially a professional organization like the Yankees? You can't I, post because you got swept at Fenway for I the second know. consecutive time? I think I that, don't get it. <laughs> I think hockey teams have some of the best social media people because they let them have fun. I don't feel like a lot of other teams, the Tigers do really good too. Um, but I think, a lot of, too yeah. I think a lot of teams are stingy with their social media people. Yeah, it's too bad. But uh, yeah, we do thank her for coming on. Uh, they do a tremendous job over there. Um, but yeah. So we have a little more to talk about to go over in the 15-ish or so minutes we have left. Gary Bettman did his pre-Stanley Cup final press conference where he killed a fly, um, which that was that was something. I said I almost expected him to turn into a chameleon and eat the fly with a like like a frog-like tongue. That come out and eat it because I always compare Gary Bettman to a lizard person. Uh, Gary Bettman did his his pre-Stanley Cup final press conference where he announced that the All-Star game will be in Vegas apparently before it is in Detroit like they said it was going to be with our new arena. And Nashville will get an outdoor game in addition to Minnesota, which they basically told Carolina to fuck off. Uh, because they'll get their game later. They were supposed to get one, but COVID happened. So they gave it to Nashville and they'll get theirs later. I mean, it kind of doesn't surprise me that Vegas uh, would get the All-Star game before Detroit. Uh, it, it doesn't make sense, of course, because, you know, Detroit's arena is newer, I believe. And if, even if it's not, I mean, Detroit's been a franchise a lot longer than Vegas has. And, I mean, it's just unfortunate that, you know, a brand-new arena like Little Caesars Arena is going to be going into, what, it's 
fifth year and there's still not a all-star game i mean it was promised within the first three years that there would be an all-star game now i know covid happened and everything but i don't the all-star game wasn't scheduled for detroit so i'm not understanding where the nhl is with this i guess Um, i I guess one of their main concerns and and it's a concern of mine too because it sucks in the city but it's public transportation it's being able to get from one place to the arena without having to uh, walk or take ubers because our bus systems kind of suck and they put in the queue line but the queue line runs with traffic so if traffic stops the queue line stops which is the dumbest thing in the world but I, I think a lot of their problems, which is a part of the same reason that uh, Detroit isn't hosting the Olympics, because our public transportation sucks. Yeah, they tried to do that here in Boston, and no one wanted it, just because traffic here is bad enough. We don't need the Olympics to, you know, gum it up even more than it is. But yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I think that could be part of it. I also think that, you know, Vegas is the sexier name. I mean, you know, you go to Vegas, you can go to the casinos, you can stay at the hotels, you can do other inappropriate things. Um, but yeah, you, I mean, you can Vegas, live your best life, Tyler. Yeah, <laughs> right. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like it kind of is disappointing. But I do think Detroit is going to get the All Star Game at some point. I think the last All Star Game in Detroit was the uh, was it the nineteen eighty All Star Game, or, or was it even a little bit after that when Gordy Howe came back to Detroit for the first time? Uh, you know, since being out of the NHL and the back in the NHL with the Hartford Whalers. Yeah, and he was like so, forty something yeah i forget exactly what the year was but it was the that all-star game because i can't tell you the last time that there was an all-star game in detroit and i mean i pretty much remember all the all-star games going back at least to 1993 four somewhere around there so and then obviously we can't remember one you know that far back it was 1980 tyler 1980 okay so i was spot on yeah uh, gory how coming back to detroit for the first time and i mean it's like detroit's a hockey town and i feel like maybe they're just waiting for the red wings to start to become good again to give them the all-star game although i mean you have seen other markets that aren't very good get the all-star game too so i don't know i mean this isn't really that much of a big deal to me like i wasn't pissed when i saw but we will complain about all-star game (laughs) yeah we will complain about it that's right uh they also said that there's also work being done on a canadian outdoor game in march which i'm okay with fine uh it's gonna be cold as shit in march in canada but that's that's right. either here nor there i'm not going to the game so it doesn't matter bettman says that helmet sponsors will continue but no jersey ads uh he got probably enough death threats for that not to happen the other thing that was brought up by Bill Daly says the Olympics remain a work in progress. Hopefully they'll have yep. a resolution soon, which means that it's not going to happen. Uh, to me, that means well, that they're, they're, right now they're stalling for time and that uh, they, they say no news is good news. Um, but a statement like that to me is bad news. Okay, it, so here's the thing. With me, I'm a huge USA Hockey fan, as I am a Detroit Red Wings fan, and as I am you know, a fan of all the other teams that I cheer for. And the one thing I will say about this, if you're not going to have the National Hockey League players go to the Olympics which I understand in a COVID era right now. and Bring that, back the World Cup of Hockey? 
maybe not that specifically maybe have the world junior guys go there or something and and you know postpone the world juniors although they're not going to do that because there's too much money involved but come get creative don't do what they did last time last time was a fucking disaster what they did with the with the um with the olympics i mean it's just russia won because they could have khl players and no one else had professional athletes yeah. except for like prospects and, yeah. and older players that played in the league it to me it's frustrating because we're being robbed of some really good talent for Team USA, especially, be, like I said, being a big USA hockey fan, like guys like Jack Eichel and Austin Matthews, and you know the names. I don't yep. have to tell you. A, a matchup between the United States and Canada, it just, to me, is even better than a Stanley Cup final. I mean, it, just especially with the talent on both sides. And it would just be very unfortunate not to see the guys go. But you can almost understand why. And there's one other point I'd like to bring up with it. I mean, you have um, NBC, or sorry, um, ESPN and TNT that are getting the rights. And I mean, do you want to tell them that you're going to be taking a two-week hiatus to go to NBC and put your product on that? I mean, yeah. that's essentially what you're telling them. Well, that's so, NBC already said that they're going to be so busy with Olympic coverage that they're not going to do like we like we had talked about. They're not going to do the expansion draft and they're not going to do the NHL draft because they have, they can't produce a show when they've got so much Olympic stuff to talk. Well, about. they they also they the contracts over after the last playoff game, so um, the expansion draft and the regular draft are going to be on ESPN, ESPN too. Yeah, and they got a lot of coverage. Uh, and then just announced that Chris Chelios is going to join ESPN. Saw so that. that's good, too. Uh, Bettman added on that he admits the league is not comfortable with letting them play in the Olympics, but made a promise to players with the kind of caveat as long as everything can be worked out. And that's the most bullshit, vague sentence I've ever heard in my life. Because he can go just, oh, guess we couldn't work it out. Sorry. So I don't think it's good news. I, I It's still very, very shaky to me whether it happens or not. I still think there's a possibility, um, you know, and not to get into pandemic stuff and everything like that, but I've, you know, read that some of the vaccines are providing, you know, possible herd immunity for good and this and that. And that is good news for the National Hockey League and the Players Association. Um, the one thing I will say about that as well is if, I mean, you know, things start to get better and in the next few weeks you see that, you know, the numbers are down across the world and, you know, there's no more variants or whatever, then maybe you could see the NHL and the PA say, you know what, we are comfortable with doing this. But even if they're not, why not come up with your own tournament and do it? The World Cup of Hockey was a tremendous success. That was before the Olympics. They had the, the World Cup of Hockey and it was a success. Even as a kid, I watched the World Cup of Hockey and loved it. I don't understand why they can't do the World Cup of Hockey and get everyone to go and shut the league down and make it a league event so that way the league can go. And if you're not going to go to the Olympics, fine. Who cares about the Olympics? Just give me something internationally with professional athletes. Sure. And even like like you said, if you're not going to go and ES, you're just going to say, well, ESPN, I guess you're not going to have any NHL content for two weeks. Do the World Cup of Hockey. Bring they did in, it last time. Bring in, t and if it's not all NHL players, because yep. maybe you can't field an entire team from Denmark with NHL players, maybe let some of the high-caliber prospects play, some AHL players play, some uh, even younger maybe play, or college yep. players. Just let 
do something because if you're not going to go to the Olympics and then you're just going to say, well, we've got the all-star break and the all-star game and all that, which sucks now. Nobody cares about the all-star game. In its current form, it sucks. It's sad because as a kid, and I know as a kid, you know, things change, video games change, all-star games. It just feels like the all-star game has gotten stale, even with the three-on-three, which I do like the addition to that. But I just feel like the all-star game is just so stale. I wish they would almost go back to like a, you know, do you remember in the, I think it was the 2000 all-star game that did North America versus the world. And that was kind of a cool thing. The NHL has no creativity when it comes to things like that. I still hold that I have the best idea for the All-Star game. Do it. Go ahead. So you hold the All-Star weekend the same weekend or the same week as the draft. And you have these draft eligible prospects play against the NHL talent in kind of like the like the young guns or the incoming players versus the existing players in an all-star kind of game. You t- you I like field it. your team of who you think's going in the first round and you let them play against the the NHL guys in kind of a fun little exhibition game because it gets people involved more with the draft in knowing who's coming in it gets kids who are are playing hockey and wanting to come into the nhl more excited to see these new guys who haven't even played an nhl game yet play against these players even if it's an exhibition game get the kids in on the skills competition that would be cool do a whole red carpet experience and loop it in with draft week because there's in a normal season there's just hell happen in the same city Sure. In a normal season, you? there's just not enough off-season stuff to be excited about. And I think something like that w- would be would bring in a lot more people, would be a lot cooler to do. Because I know people like I would go sit in an arena and watch an NHL draft. I don't think I am amongst the group of, of everyone would do that. I don't think a lot of I people would do, would do that. I know you I have do done that, it, actually. <laughs> but I don't think the average hockey fan would do it. No, most don't. No, but absolutely not. But the average hockey fan would buy tickets to a weekend where you get access to the All-Star game plus the draft. Guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. So um, it's just that's that's a fantastic idea because it just feels like the All Star Game has gotten stale. It feels like things. Have, I mean, obviously, I've gotten older, so things that excite me back in you know two thousand and eight, nine, seven don't excite me as much as they used to. But I mean, that doesn't mean that if it was revamped, I wouldn't watch it. I sure. still do watch the All Star Game as much as I can. I mean, I don't go out of my way to do it, but I do watch the skills competition. I wish there was more creativity in the skills competition because i feel like there's still meat up more meat on the bone that could be added to the skills competition to make it more exciting but imagine my idea the year mcdavid was drafted and you throw mcdavid into the skills competition before he even puts on the edmonton sweater like i love it you get someone like uh, owen power or or maddie beneers in a in a skills competition and you let them show what they've got. I mean, how, how much more could you hype a prospect than let them get into a skills comp with actual NHL players and possibly beat them? Like how crazy would that be? And I think it's a good idea. And it's trademark grindline podcast, NHL. If you want to talk about it, let me know. Um, I will license (laughs) you my idea, but it's, I think it's a great idea. 
Yeah, I think it's a fantastic idea. I don't see why there would be any issue with it. The only thing I can think of is, you know, maybe some injury or something. But I mean, but you tell them to take it light. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's exactly. Exhi- it's an exhibition. Guys don't hit each other in the regular. When was the last time someone got injured at an All Star game? Um, I can't even yeah, tell you. I can tell so, you the last time that there was a penalty called in an All Star so game. They barely try in an All Star game. And, and I think he, it was Doug Gilmore, if I if I'm not mistaking, but yeah. And if there were kids in the All Star game playing, there the, the NHL players aren't going to destroy the kids. They're going to have fun with them. I th- think it's the whole experience would be a lot more fun. You do you could do rookie interviews, and, and I think it would just be a lot more fun. But um, I want to do one more thing uh, before we sign off tonight. I want to put our condolences out to David Pasternak and his family on the loss of their infant son. Um, tor- terrible, terrible, terrible tragedy. No parent deserves to lose their kid. So I kind of wanted to put that out there. Um, as just a, a kind of positive thoughts out to them as they're going through this. So, yeah, it's uh, I couldn't even imagine. I mean, I saw that this morning, and you know, of course, because I'm in the Boston area, I follow WEI, and that's the first place that I saw it, which is one of the radio stations here that cover the Red Sox. And um, at first, I saw it. I'm like, is that actual WEI reporting that? And it was. And I sent it to my buddy Ryan. I sent it to my girlfriend. And, you know, they're all Bruins fans. And and they're just like, that is not sad. It's gut-wrenching. It's like you couldn't even imagine having to go through with something like that. Especially, you know, that's one of the happiest moments of your life when you're... I mean, I don't know because I don't have kids yet. You're correct. Um, (laughs) But that's got to be one of the, the happiest moments of your life. And then, you know... Six days later, that happiest moment that you have is now something that you cry about, and you know it's yeah, it's sad to you. Now I'm, I hope they have another kid and everything, but it's just it, I, I couldn't even imagine. Condolences to them and their family, and you know hopefully everything works out for them as uh, time goes on here. Yeah, because time does heal. Uh, but I do want to wrap it up tonight. Uh, great interview, great talk as always. Sucks to be Ryan, but you know. <laughs> Uh, Ryan texted me in the middle of it. He's like, yeah, I just got power back on. I'm pissed. I go, I bet you are. So um, I am going to skip final thoughts tonight just because I don't want to ruin the episode. So you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. Tyler? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at SealDog91. Go Habs. (laughs) You can follow the Grindline podcast online at Grindline Pod. You can find our podcast wherever podcasts are hosted. If you go to Howie'sHockeyTape.com and check out using promo code Grindline, you get 10% off your online order. If you use that same promo code on Bring Hockey Back, you get 12% off. We like to give a shout out to Founders, who is the official beer of the Grindline podcast. We also like to give a shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet for hosting us and putting our podcast on their platform, expanding our reach to all you lovely people who found us on the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you. Um, and you can also check out our merch on redbubble.com by searching The Grindline, or I think if you go to redbubble.com slash shop slash The Grindline, I think that's what our link is. I wish they'd make it easier, but they didn't. Uh, pretty soon we're going to have some cool stuff to give away, too. I know Tyler's dad's going to be working on some hats for us. I'm going yep. tomorrow during lunch to check out some shirts. And we're going to have some cool stuff come draft party, which we're pretty sure is happening the 23rd of July, even though it's not officially pretty been sure announced Pretty sure I'm going to be there, too. So uh, we'll have some stuff to give away to some people who are fans of the show. But that's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you for listening. For Tyler 
and Daniela. I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town. <laughs>